Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. One more time. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. We got beautiful spring weather outside. I know it's disappointing for some of you who want to be skiing and doing different stuff, but I love the fact that it's uh, that it's getting warmer outside. It puts a smile on my face. Uh, like uh, Scott said, I am the pastor of Genesis Microchurch Movement, formerly known as Genesis Harbor Springs. And uh, a microchurch, just for those of you who haven't uh, heard me talk about it before, a microchurch is a spiritual family with Christ at the center that loves God, loves others, and makes disciples. Our goal is, is to equip and make disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples, and so on and so on and so on. And uh, one of the ways, or I guess the, the big way that we do that, are three things, we call them the three eyes. One is our intimacy with God. First and foremost, most important thing, we, we have to cultivate our personal relationship with God. The second eye is investing in others. We love others in a way that demonstrates God's love for us, and we do that with no strings attached. And then the third eye is invitation. We, we want to invite others into a deeper relationship with, with Christ, and that takes many different forms. That could be inviting them to church. It could be inviting them to, to study scripture with you. It could be inviting them just to spend time with you, have coffee, and discuss their, their questions and concerns about their faith. And so that's, that's what we do in Harbor Springs, and, and we call it a movement because we want that to multiply. We want disciples to multiply. We want the, the micro-churches to multiply. And so that's why we do what we do. So if you have any questions on that, you can always text Genesis. You can see me in, uh, during, uh, in between services and ask questions, but happy to answer any of those. Uh, we are right now in a series uh, that is uh, centered on the, the book of Mark. And we are actually going to be in Mark chapter 14 today. So I'm actually going to have everybody stand again because you guys need the extra exercise, right? All right. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 14, and we're going to be uh, talking about the Last Supper. So we're going to be Mark chapter 14, verse 12 through 26. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I think we're going to have it up here on the screen. Uh, your, your Bibles, your journey Bibles are NIV, so it might be a little bit different, but I'm going to read... And you guys can follow along. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is the one of, one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. He, they, and then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks for it. He gave it to them, and they drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. 
it is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it in the new kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God. You may be seated. All right, before we jump in, quick question. How many of you men out there like to fix things? Like to fix things. Yes, I'm, I'm one of those guys, love to fix things. Uh, it's funny that, you know, there's not a whole lot of snow out here. A few years back, I had to fix our, our snowblower. We had uh, this tractor, John Deere tractor. I bought it at an auction for real cheap. It was old. It had a mower, mower deck. It had a blower attachment. And it seemed like every year something broke on the tractor. They, I, w- I was like a frequent customer down, uh, what's that place, down in... Uh, uh, Atwood, the John Deere place. They knew me when I walked in. But anyway, uh, a few years back, the uh, the gearbox and the blower broke. And so I had to replace the gearbox. And so I went down there and I asked the guy, you know, I'd always ask, he's like, is this something that I could do myself or do I need to bring it in? He's like, oh, you could do it yourself. Okay. So get get the part, come back, uh, the next morning, it actually had snowed. I think we got like eight inches of snow, and so I've got the heater going in the garage, take everything apart, put the new gearbox on, put everything back together, and I'm ready to go. And, and by the way, you've got to take the blower, off, the blower completely off the tractor, so that's just a, a pain in and of itself. So I put it back on, and I go out, and I'm blowing the snow. But there's not a lot of snow coming out the chute, I know everything's moving, everything's going. I, I think I even asked Holly, you know, she was in the window. I'm like, I'm like, is the auger going? She's like, yeah. She's like, everything's going. I'm like, man, there's just not a lot of snow coming out. And it's like, almost like the snow was just getting pushed to the side. Well, I forgot, I missed kind of a key detail. I didn't realize that the augers were angled. So I put the augers on backward so they were angled out. So it was pushing the snow out the side of the blower, and nothing was going up the chute. Minor detail, but made a big difference. And I, I know I know some of you guys, you're thinking like, yeah, that, that's kind of a story that's happened to me before, but, but the details matter, don't they? The details matter. And uh, as we read this passage at face value... We, we read this passage when we, when we celebrate the meal of remembrance sometimes, and, and, and it's Jesus having the last supper with his disciples. He's, he's in a way telling them, my body is going to be broken, my blood's going to be shed. It's before he's uh, you know, killed and resurrected, and, and it's going to pay for our sins. This is, this is the overarching story of, of Scripture, right? This is the gospel. It's, it's Jesus. The gospel is Jesus saves sinners. And, and we see this in, in the picture of the Last Supper and how Jesus is describing to them that his body is going to be broken and his blood is going to be shed. And we could read this scripture and then, and then take the meal and, and, and everyone would understand kind of a little bit what it means, but there are so many details in this story that we could miss. And it makes it much more interesting. It makes it much more meaningful. And so I want to talk about those details today. It's kind of like when, uh, when you're watching a movie. Like you wouldn't want to jump into a movie if it was like a, a three or four part movie. You wouldn't want to jump in at part three and miss part one and two. There might be some details in those that are important. 
I know last time I was here, I talked a little bit about uh, Marvel and Avenger movies. Who's a fan of those movies? Well, there, there, are, there are people, there are YouTubers that kind of make a living. Uh, as soon as a movie comes out, they put a, they put a video out that, that tells, like, what are all the, East, they call them Easter eggs. What are the Easter eggs in the movie? What are all the little, you know, details, the interesting details that, that the, the director or the writer has put in the story that only someone who's been paying attention all along and who was watching at that time would, would pick out that little detail. Those are like little Easter eggs. And, and I can tell you, our God is infinitely more creative. And our God pays infinitely more attention to detail. And so as we read scripture, as we talk about this, this passage here on the Last Supper, there are some key details that I want to bring to your attention, some Easter eggs that I want to bring to your attention. The first one is a Passover. So at the beginning of the passage, he's, t- he's telling his disciples, uh, he says, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. And he's telling them to go prepare for the Passover. Well, if we don't understand the Passover meal, this may not have as much meaning for us. So I want to go back. We're going to go all the way back to Exodus. And the people of Israel are in slavery. They've been in slavery for 400 years. And during that time, they've all lived with the hope that God was going to rescue them from slavery at some point in time. And so uh, God selects Moses. He uses Moses as his leader, his mouthpiece, to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, it's not happening. Not letting them go. This is, you know, I, I need, I need all, all of your slave labor to, to make this country run. So, so Pharaoh says no. And God said, I'm going to get his attention. I'm going to convince him to let my people go. And so God sends plagues on the kingdom of Egypt. First, it was the plague of blood. The Nile River turned into blood. Then it was frogs. There's frogs all over the land. And, and then they died and it smelled. It was just awful. Then there was the plague of gnats, the plague of flies, the, the plague of livestock. The livestock got, got a plague. Then there was the plague of, of boils. And actually, if you look in Scripture, the, the, the subtitle, it says festering boils. So these weren't just your run-of-the-mill boils. These were boils that had like pus and stuff coming out of them, right? Hopefully you guys don't have a weak stomach. Then there was the plague of hail. Then the plague of locusts. And then the plague of darkness, where darkness covered the land. They couldn't even see their hands in front of their face. And after each and every one of these plagues, Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, well, how about now? Will you let my people go? And Pharaoh's like, no, it's not happening. And so God decided to send one final plague on the kingdom of Egypt. It was called the plague of the firstborn. So he sends Moses in to Pharaoh and he, said, he tells Pharaoh that that night that the angel of death is, is going to come. And every household, in every household, the the firstborn is going to die. And every firstborn of livestock is going to die. And Pharaoh's like, still not letting them go. So before that night, 
God gives Moses instructions to the Israelites so that they can avoid this plague. And he tells them to go and kill a spotless lamb and prepare it for dinner. Going to eat, their families going to eat that for dinner. And he said, with the blood of that spotless lamb, I want you to put it over the, the door frames and the doorposts of the house so that when my angel of death comes through the land of Egypt, it will pass over any of the houses that have the blood of that lamb over the doorposts. And that's exactly what happened. The angel of death came through, passed over all the Israelite homes that had the blood over the lampposts and uh, for, the, for the kingdom of Egypt. It didn't turn out well. And Pharaoh finally said, get out of here. You have to go. Now we know he eventually chased him down and uh, the, the Egyptians got caught up in the Red Sea after God, God parted the Red Sea. But what Jesus is saying here in this passage back in Mark, when they're celebrating the Passover meal... He is really telling them, I'm about to be that Passover lamb. I'm going to be the one that is going to, to cover, my blood is going to cover your, your doorposts so that the angel of death will pass over you. So that is one rich detail in the story that we don't want to miss, that Jesus is the Passover lamb. So that's our first Easter egg. That's our first detail. The second one is covenant. So as Jesus is giving him, giving them the bread and the cup, he says, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And then in some, uh, some translations it says, he confirms the new covenant between God and his people. Well, what was the old covenant? Well, again, we have to go all the way back to the Old Testament. The people of Israel have been delivered out of Egypt. Uh, They've been in slavery for 400 years, and now they've got to learn how to live with each other. And so God gives them the law. And I'm sure all of you are very familiar with the book of Leviticus because you have studied it in intricacy and know all the details, right? You guys are all familiar? No, no. So in in the book of Leviticus, in the law, essentially God has to teach them how to live with each other because they've been in slavery. They've been told what to do for 400 years. So one, they've got to know how to live amongst each other. Two, they've got to keep themselves pure because they're interacting with, with a God, a holy God. And three, they've got to know that there is a cost for disobedience. There is a cost to sin. And so in the book of Leviticus, it not only outlines the law, but it outlines what happens when someone disobeys, what happens when someone breaks the law. And when that happened, it required a sacrifice. An animal had to be sacrificed. The priest, you'd have to bring an animal to the priest, and the the priest would sacrifice that animal, and it would pay, essentially, for that sin to kind of right the scales, so to speak. And so every time... Someone in the nation of Israel sinned. There was death associated with that. And even over time, on on an annual basis, there was the Day of Atonement because at some point, some sins might get missed and so the priest would would offer a sacrifice for the whole nation. 
he'd kill a, a goat and, and sacrifice it, and then he'd take another goat that was kind of the, what we call the scapegoat that would they would take out into the wilderness that would carry the sins of the people away. And so this first covenant said that for every sin, there had to be a price paid. There had to be life given. And so when Jesus gives them bread and the cup, he is telling them, this new covenant, I am the final and complete sacrifice. After this, no more sacrifices have to be given because I'm the one. And that's it. It's interesting that the author of Hebrews, they covered, un- uncovered all the, all the Easter eggs you know, before, before us. They, they, were, they studied, they, they understood this whole thing. And it says in, in chapter 9, verses 13 through 15 in Hebrews, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and his people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they had committed under the first covenant. Isn't that amazing? That God would put all of these details in place just so that we could have a right relationship with him? I mean, knowing, knowing all this, knowing what we know now of the Passover and the covenant, when we read about the Last Supper, that should dramatically help your understanding before we take communion today, right? It should dramatically deepen the meaning for you. It should, should dramatically increase your intimacy and connection with God. Knowing the great lengths that he's taken to save you. Knowing the great attention to detail that he has woven through the story so that when you hear it and you see it and understand all the connections, it's not only undeniably true that you are saved, but it's also undeniably true that he loves you. And you have to know that God loves you. I know when, when, when someone puts great detail or great preparation and planning to something, that is an indication how much they care for you. I know, uh, you know when people have big birthdays, like they turn 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever the big birthdays are, uh, typically there's you know, a party or a celebration. And I remember when I was turning 38, not a big birthday, turning 38. I'm actually, you guys might be surprised, I'm 46. I know I look 25, 46. But when I turned 38, uh, Holly decided to, uh, she, had, she had a friend that had a place uh, kind of on, you know, north of Harbor Springs, Lakeshore, Michigan. She's like, why don't we go for the weekend? They're going to let us use their cottage and, you know, we'll hang out for the weekend. I was like, cool. So Holly, myself, and Vaughn, we go up and uh, kind of take all of our stuff. We're going to be there for a couple nights up at this 
little cottage on Lake Michigan, and I thought, this is, this is kind of nice. And so we unpack everything, and as we're getting everything unpacked, you know, I'm like kind of looking, I'm like, man, that is a lot of chicken. I'm like, like, who's all this chicken for? And I just, you know, I was like, whatever, because uh, I was going to get the grill and, and grill and everything. And Holly's like, well, why don't you go out and, you know, build a fire? There's a fire pit. So I get the fire going and whatnot, and all of a sudden, a car's pulling in the driveway. It's couple friends of ours, I was like, oh, she must have invited them up for dinner with us. I'm like, okay, that kind of explains the extra chicken. I was like, still a lot of chicken. <clears throat> and then, uh, so I said hi to them, they get out, you know, whatever, and then another car pulls in. And then another car pulls in, and another car pulls in, another car, you know, before you know it, there's like 30, 40 people, and uh, our friend Bill has got his guitar out and his whole music setup, and he's playing tunes, and all of a sudden it's just this big party. And in my mind, I'm thinking back, how much time and preparation did she put into planning this party for me? And when I, when I think about that, it's like, it's like, man, she really cares about me. She really loves me for, for someone to take that, that time and care into planning the details shows us how much they love us. And God does this all the way through scripture just to show you how much he loves you. It says in Psalm 139, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was accorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God pays attention to the details. And if God is paying attention to the details, we should be paying attention to the details. And the way that we, the way that we pay attention to the details is that when we, when we pick up scripture, when we read the Bible, we approach it with humility. We approach it with curiosity. Like, what, what, can, what is God going to teach me today? What is God going to show me? What, what Easter eggs am I going to find today as I go through his scripture? We approach it with wonder, thinking of the amazement, and, and wow, like God took all of this time to, to tell this story that points directly to Jesus. And we also have, we have to spend time, we have to spend frequent time. The more time that we spend, I know it's, it's easy for us if we want to, you know, go to Netflix and, and binge watch a, a movie series or a TV series, you know, to get all the details before the new one comes out, we'll spend the time to do that. We need to spend the time and frequency to get, to intimately know God's scripture. We need to approach God in our quiet time with humility and curiosity and wonder. And then as we approach one another, as we approach the people that God brings into our life, the people in our circle, we approach them with that same humility and curiosity. What might God be doing in their life? How might God use me in their story? 
I don't know, maybe, maybe some of you, you were just invited to church for the first time today or a friend dragged you along. How, how is God going to use that person in your story to, to, to develop? Because he's working on the details. He's got the details planned. There's no question in that. How might he use you? What details is he planning for you this week? I don't know, but when I think of that, when I, when I look at Scripture, especially the story of the Last Supper and the, and the detail that God put into the Passover and, and the covenant and uh, what he did through Jesus, that gets me excited about what, what does he have planned next? What does he have planned for us next? One more thing, and, and, and then I'll close. So at the beginning of this passage... Talks about preparation. It says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, the, the disciples, you know, they were asking him, Where do you want? Well, you're, where do you want us to prepare the meal? And he goes and tells them, you know, go here, and then this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and you know, that's where you're going to prepare the meal. And the verse I love is 16. It says, so the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus said. Now, I tell you this because as God is, is planning out the details, as God is uh, using you for his kingdom, you can go with confidence because he already has everything prepared. Whether it's, it's someone that, that he wants to, wants to place you in their life to help them grow closer to him. He's already planned out the details. You just need to go. It's going to be just as he said it will be. He's already preparing hearts. He's already putting the pieces in place so that once you get there, it's just as it should be. And I think we have to understand, even though the disciples were asking him, like, where do you want us to prepare the meal? In his mind, he's like, I've got it all, all handled already. It was all planned out and all handled. We just have to go. We have to listen when God nudges us and pushes us. Like, okay, God, I know you've got, I've got, you, I know you've got everything planned. I'm just going to go. And when we get there, we're going to be surprised because He's going to have it all laid out for us. And so, my challenge for you this week, in addition to approaching Scripture with humility and curiosity and wonder and, and and staying close to God is asking God, God, what do you have planned for me? Who who are you who are you going to put in my path this week that I can help grow closer to you? Because if we continue to approach that with with wonder and curiosity and, and anticipation, God will do amazing things. So as you prepare your hearts when you, when you come up to, to take the meal, as we think about the Last Supper with, with Jesus and his disciples, don't just think about what God has, has done for you up to this point. Think about what God is going to do through you in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. Let us pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much that you take great attention to detail. I thank you that, that not 
Not one thing, not, not one single detail was missed as you uh, prepared each of our hearts to come to know you. God, you have a purpose and a season for everything. And God, I pray that, that as, uh, as we get ready to take the meal today, that you open our hearts to what you have planned for us. God, I pray that, that you uh, keep our hearts in a humble place so that we can receive whatever that is that you have for us. And God, I, I pray that you help keep our eyes open to see as you see, as you place people and situations in our life that, um, that you'll use to grow your kingdom. So as we go this week, God, I just pray that you help us to pay attention to the details. In Jesus' name, amen.